At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number two of the look at right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. And we've got a tremendous hour coming up for you as we've got a pair of great guests as we're going to be going out to the great set of New York in about 45 minutes. That's where we find Will Hill. Does a great job over here at Visa with Point Spread Weekly. And then he does the New York City Cats. We do a great job of being able to take a look at sports from a little bit more of a local perspective. We've got City Cats for cities like Philadelphia, obviously New York, Los Angeles, Chicago. You're able to go up and down the list. And we've got our man Will out there in New York in about 45 minutes. Going to be chatting with him about the Mets. We're going to take a look at the New York Yankees. And if time allows, we're going to take a look to see if either of those two football teams, if they've got any promise for the upcoming season. So we're going to have some fun there. And then in 15 minutes, Tom Caselli, he does a great job over at the Action Network. Does a great job taking a look at Really a wide variety of different markets. I know that I've had him on my college basketball podcast. He takes a look at college football, the NFL. We're going to get some general football futures from him. And here in this segment, I'm going to take a look at what I like in terms of Major League Baseball for this upcoming Monday. I wind up doing an article for DK Nation every single day. And we've got one interesting game I think really stands out to me as we wind up going 903-904 on the betting board. It is the New York Mets. They're going to be on the road facing off against Washington Nationals as Patrick Corbin he is going to be on the bump for the Nationals and Mad Max Scherzer is going for the Mets and it seems as though other people like the same pick that I do as this is a total that I want to be getting at 7.5 and juicy under a little bit and this was just a few hours ago. Now we're finding anywhere between 7.5 and 8. I'm seeing pretty much 50% of books offering a 7.5. I'm seeing 50% of books offering an 8. And if you're finding the 8, the juice is going to be on the under. If you're seeing a 7.5, the juice is going to be on the over with the Mets finding them a rather hefty favorite. Anywhere between minus 230, minus 250, anywhere between plus 205 and plus 210. My price on the Washington Nationals. Wrote this up when it was a 7.5. Still like it at an 8 as well. And honestly, an 8.5 probably wouldn't be high enough in terms of this total, in my opinion. I do like this total over because it is Patrick Corbin who's going for the Nationals. And while you do have Max Scherzer on the flip side, and Max Scherzer, he has been absolutely tremendous this season for the New York Mets. And you take a look at what he's been able to do ever since he's come off the injured list as well. And he has been incredibly strong in his five starts, posting up a buck 36 ERA overall for the year. He's getting 11 half strikeouts per nine innings. But in his last start against the Washington Nationals, I believe his first start since he wound up getting dealt at the deadline over to the LA Dodgers. And then obviously 
in the offseason. He winds signing with the New York Mets. He did wind up giving up three runs over the course of six innings. And while the Washington Nationals, they don't do a lot well, what you do have with this Nationals team is a bunch that they are able to do a solid job of not striking out. And they also provide a relatively solid batting average as well. This is a team that they do rank in the top half of the big leagues in terms of batting average. Big bugaboo for them has been... They only really have two guys that have been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers this season. That'd be Juan Soto, and who knows what's going to be happening with Juan Soto in future days. I sort of think that he's going to be saying put, but that is my opinion personally, but who knows what's going to be happening with that regard. And Josh Bell, these two guys have been able to provide a combined 33 home runs thus far this season, but in terms of a home runs per game rate, they are dead last out there in the National League. Meanwhile, you've got a Mets team that they just do a great job of being able to move the line in general. This is a team that they rank in the top eight of the big leagues in terms of batting average. But with the Mets as well, they're a team that they strike out very little. Both of these teams are actually one and two in the National League in terms of few strikeouts on a per-game basis. You've got Pete Alonso, who's right now leading the big leagues in terms of RBI. We wound up seeing the hurting that they wound up putting on the Miami Marlins on Sunday, being able to get that total all by themselves over. And the New York Mets have really been... One of your top teams to be over in all baseball thus far this season because their totals, they do wind up getting set relatively low because oftentimes they do wind up playing in a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark in New York. When they do wind up hitting the road, they've been able to do a solid job of being able to generate their offense via that way as well. But you do take a look at guys like Mark Canna, Brandon Nimmo. They've been able to move the line and now getting back Starley Marte, someone who's been able to 300. That has been solid. And I mean, going back to my point on the Mets being a good over team, the only team that's been able to at a higher clip to the over thus far this season, actually the Cincinnati Reds, and they play out there in Great American Ballpark, and I feel like bookmakers haven't taken into account enough this season how pitcher-friendly, or how hitter-friendly, I should say, that ballpark is. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, a team that ranks in the bottom 10 of the big leagues in terms of a bullpen ERA. Now, what I will say about the Washington Nationals is that their bullpen has been a little bit better recently. They've been able to shape up that bullpen over the last... We're going to call it six weeks. I actually do rank in the top half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, so that has been able to help them out just a little bit, but still has been a relatively brutal bullpen. And then when it comes to the Mets, it's been a little bit of a hot and cold bullpen of their own. Drew Smith, someone who's been a little bit more reliable for this team this season. He's currently on the injured list after he wound up having a nightmarish month of July for the Mets. Over the last, we're going to call it six weeks or so, they've been able to rank in the top 10 in terms of bullpen ERA as well. So they've been able to find a way to be able to mix and match with guys like Tommy Hunter, Edwin Diaz, no doubt he has been amazing out there in the bullpen, but Adam Adovino has been able to have himself a relatively good run of things as well. But you do take a look at this Washington National team, being able to get guys like Kiber Ruiz, Michael Franco on base. I think that that's going to be able to help them out just a little bit in this spot, but how about if we wind up getting to the biggest albatross in this one and the real reason why I like it over? Patrick Corbin and how terrible he has been. A 799 ERA in the month of July. Someone who is giving up about 1.53 home runs per nine innings. He overall for the year has a 645 ERA. Now, to his credit, a 490 ERA at home because that'll really get you hyped up. But opponents are north of a 320 off of them. And for that matter, he has made 21 starts this year, Mr. Corbin, as the team is 4-17 and 17 in these starts with out of those 17 losses, 15 of them being by multiple runs in 18 of these starts that he has made out of the 21. The opponent has reached at least four runs as well. 
I think that you're going to see the Washington Nationals get to Max Scherzer a little bit more than we've seen ever since he's come off the injured list, even for Max Scherzer. A buck 37 ERA, which he has in his five starts that's coming off the injured list, that's not necessarily sustainable. You do have a team that has a lot of familiarity with them, and typically when you wind up seeing a team going up against a pitcher in which they do have familiarity with, Typically, it doesn't wind up going the world's greatest for the pitchers, so I think that that'll help out the Washington Nationals a little bit, but I mean, the real reason why we like this one over is because Patrick Urban has just been terrible. I have no idea how he's fallen off a cliff as badly as he has, but he has fallen directly off a cliff. I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. I set it a little bit north of an 8.5 personally, and when it comes to the Mets, as long as you're laying a minus 155 or less, and right now, DraftKings, I'm seeing right around a minus 140 on that run line. I do like that as well. The Nationals have just lost so many games by multiple runs when Patrick Corbin has taken the mound, and I think that this is going to be another one to their collection. So my DK Nation write-up is going to be on the over. I also like the Mets on the run line. How about if we wind up taking a look at another game out there in the National League of 905-906, San Diego Padres. They're going to be playing OC Colorado Rockies. Antonio Sensatella, he is going to be going for the Rockies, and Mike Levinger is going to be going for San Diego. This one opened up with the Padres being a minus 235 favorite. We've seen this one move quite a bit. Anywhere between minus 195 and minus 205. Going to be your price on the pods. And for the Colorado Rockies, buying them anywhere between plus 175 to plus 185 underdogs with your total at 7.5. And when it comes to Antonio Sensatella, opponents are hitting north of a 350 off of them. That is a big, giant issue. The fact that Antonio Sensatella's ERA is out like 7 right now is a wonder. It's more around about a 480 and for Sensatella. What I will say about him is that with all the contact that he surrenders, he's giving up less than a home run per nine innings. Now, a little bit of that is by design, but when you wind up giving up that much contact, honestly, it indicates a little bit of luck. Now, against the San Diego Padres, it is going to help him out a little bit being in that very, very pitcher-friendly ballpark, but for Mike Clevenger, Sunshine has looked a little bit better for the team recently. He has been able to deliver right around nine strikeouts, Per nine innings, his ERA hovers right in the neighborhood about a four-ish, but has been able to do a better job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. His walks per nine rate is in the neighborhood of three, and that's one thing that I will say for Antonio Zizatella. He does give up only about two walks per nine innings, so that has been a little bit helpful for him, but this is also Colorado Rockies bullpen that they have been one of the lesser groups out there in the big leagues, and you've got a lot of guys with demonstrative home and road splits like a Luke's Gobreath, for example. His ERA is barely north of two. When he's at home, it is north of six. When he is on the road, Daniel Bard, along with Alex Calme, these guys have been solid. But with the Colorado Rockies, when you wind up getting into guys like Carlos Aceves and company, it's been rough. Currently, they are third worst in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. And for the San Diego Padres, they've been a hot mess as well in terms of their bullpen. Taylor Rogers has 28 saves this season, but he's got north of a 4-2 ERA. That has been far from seller. And Abel Crisman has seen a little bit of regression. Still a guy that's able to be solid, give you multiple innings, but... Luis Garcia, been a little bit up and down as well. Now, for the Padres, they are one of the lowest-scoring teams at home out there in the National League, averaging right around 3.6 to 3.7 runs per game. But Manny Machado, he's been able to find it a little bit more after the vast majority of the month of July wound up being a little bit rough for him. You've been able to see Hassam Kim be able to hit above a 275 over the last 30 days for this team as well. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the Colorado Rockies. Something that has to have you a little bit concerned with them is that they hit about 40 points lower when they are on the road rather than at home. And the bigger thing for the Rockies rather than the batting average is the power numbers. They get right around 1.2 home runs per game at home on the road. That's more like 0.6 home runs per game. Someone like a Brandon Rogers 
has nine home runs this season. All nine of them have come at home. C.J. Krohn, 22 home runs. Pretty much all but six of them have wanted coming at home as well. So you have a Colorado Rockies team that clearly has a big giant split with the Padres. But a little bit tough going on offense, but... Antonio Sensatella is allowing it to darn near anyone right now. And with the way that both of these bullpens have struggled, I do think that 7.5 here is a little bit too low. So this is another spot in which I'm willing to take a look at an over on. And with the way that Sensatella is giving up contact in general, I was willing to lay a little bit of a price on the run line. Currently seeing that at even money at DraftKings. I think that there's good value there. So looking at the run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well. And something that we're going to be taking a look at next, some football futures as... We've got someone in Tom Caselli that does an amazing job over there at the Action Network of taking a look at this sector, and he joins me next right here on VSIN, the Esports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Esports Betting Network. And we're back here on. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. the look at with myself greg peterson filling in for scott seidenberg tonight and got a great guest joining me as tom casali does a great job taking a look at a wide variety of markets over there at the action network does a great job taking a look at college football college basketball i know that those are really his main two and tom it is great to have you aboard tonight thank you well thanks for having me it is great to have you aboard and when it comes to the college football season i know that you're taking a look at some ACC schools, and they aren't named Clemson as well. Clemson got to figure that they've got a good shot of being able to return to a little bit more prominence after last season was a little bit of a down year, but you're expecting some relatively solid seasons out of a few teams in orange, including a team whose mascot is the orange in Syracuse. Talk to me about them and their season win total. Yeah, so Syracuse is sitting around four, four and a half for their win total. If you look at them last year, they went over this win total at five and seven. They had three games in October that they lost by three points to Florida State, Wake Forest, and Clemson. And one of those games went into overtime. So you're looking at a team that won five games last year, lost three really tough games in a row, returns over 80% of their production from last season. I think they're set at quarterback at the quarterback position for the first time in years in the Dino Babers era. I expect them to have a good offensive line, be able to run the football. You know, this is a team, I see that opener with, with Louisville at home. If Syracuse can get that win, 
I think they comfortably win more than four and four and a half games. Yep, I do think that that game is going to be relatively critical. And even if they don't wind up winning that game, they still have a path, in my opinion, to be able to get over, especially a four, if not a four and a half as well. And when it comes to the ACC, shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Clemson finding themselves a favorite to be able to win the conference. But I know that you're taking a little bit of a look further on down the board. Who do you think might be the biggest competitor to Clemson in this conference? And so a team I was on last year was NC State. I, I remember their win total was like six, six and a half. I thought it was the worst line I'd seen in, in decades, to be honest. And they had a really good season. They bring back a lot of starters. And the one I really like is quarterback Devin Leary, who I think will push to be the first quarterback taken in next year's draft. Now, Clemson deserves to be the favorite. They still have the most talent. I still need to see the quarterback position play better, though, for them. And NC State goes to Clemson on, on October 1st. I think they get them at the right time. If the Wolfpack can win that game, you know, I got them around 11 to 1 to win the ACC. They're not quite as high as that right now, but still value there. And the other thing I'll say is Devin Leary is around 125 to 1 to win the Heisman. Again, they go into Clemson and win October 1st. He's going to be in the conversation. So I really like the Wolfpack this year. I think that's the one team that can unseat Clemson in the ACC. And when it comes to the ACC as well, this is a little bit more just a general question, but we know that with the ACC, it's really been in past years, really Clemson or bust for being able to get a team into the college football playoff. They've clearly been the best team over the last decade or so in this conference. Do you think that the conference top to bottom is a little bit better this year than they've been in past years? Because we've just noticed that it's been a case in which they've had a struggle getting more than, say, three, four teams in the top 25 in general. Do you think that there's a chance that they could be a little bit improved on the national landscape this year? This is the strongest I've seen the conference in some time, top to bottom. Uh, you know, Miami looks like th they're going to be really good. They have a quarterback now. We know they have the athletes on defense. No one's talking about Wake Forest. <laughs> Great season last year. Ton of starters back. Going to be tough. You know, and watch out for Boston College. They had a lot of injuries last year. I I'm really high on their coach. So that's another team sitting there. Could be a sleeper coming out of the ACC. But, you know, overall, outside of really Duke, I, I think it's going to be a tough game every week in this conference. Uh, really strong, a lot stronger than it's been when the, in the years that Clemson just dominated everybody. Yeah, but I still remember there were years in which Clemson wound up finding themselves north of a minus 150 favorite to win the conference and everyone else was like north of 10 to 1. So we have certainly seen those numbers wind up being a little bit more spread out there. So that winds up helping out a tad as well. And I know you do a great job of being able to take a look at the NFL as well. And I know you're taking a look at a team that is out there in my neck of the woods, the Las Vegas Raiders. They are currently finding themselves a long shot to be able to win the AFC West, but that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world because the AFC West, when you've got out there Patrick, Patrick Mahomes along with Justin Herbert, Derek Carr along with Russell Wilson as your starting quarterbacks, you really can't go wrong with any of those four guys. But talk me through what you've all got in terms of the Raiders this season and what you're expecting from them. I'm really high on the Raiders. Now, listen, they play in a nightmare division, like you said, a nightmare conference in the AFC. Uh, there's multiple Super Bowl contenders in the AFC this year. I'll tell you why I like the Raiders. First of all, they really impressed me last year with the way they made the playoffs after everything that went wrong with them. 
The other thing is, is I when I worked for the Patriots, Josh McDaniel was there. Really smart guy, thought he was going to be a great head coach. And if you listen to players at Denver, the first time when he went to coach there, especially Champ Bailey, Champ Bailey said this is the smartest coach he's ever been around. The problem is he came in and didn't know how to deal with the veterans, came in like Belichick. A lot of Belichick assistants have this problem. I think he's learned from that mistake. I I have full confidence that McDaniel is going to be a great NFL coach. I think when he gets there with Carr, I love Carr to win MVP this year. I think he's going to have a phenomenal season. I mean, look at the weapons they have on offense. How many teams can say they have those kinds of weapons with a coach like McDaniel? I think if the defense can improve just a little bit, you know, plus 700, plus 800 to win that division. I think that's crazy. I think you've got to be crazy. I, again, I don't know who's going to emerge from that division, but any team in it to be that that much of a, a long shot, I think is nuts. I think they're all pretty much jumbled in there together. And again, I think Carr is going to have the best season of his career. And if you can get him around 28, 30 to one to win, to win the MVP, that's great value. And I think that with the AFC West, there's sort of like what was... The NFC West last year, where in the NFC West, it was by far the best division in football. And I mean, the NFC West, it's still going to be really good this year, but you've got a team in the Seattle Seahawks that they're clearly that bottom feeder team. The rest of the top teams out there, you know what, they're probably going to be able to make relatively solid runs. But with the AFC West, is it possible to get four teams into the playoffs? Yes, it would really require all things to wind up going right because these teams, they wind up playing six games within the division all by themselves. So if there is a team that you think could wind up missing the AF, the playoffs from the AFC West, who do you think that would be? Because I think that that's really the tough question at this point with all four of these teams. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I know a lot of people like the Chargers. I still need to see that team take the next step. Listen, I love you. Listen, you, you two, uh, we love aggressive play, right? I, I love being aggressive. I don't know if you have to go for, for it from your own 20 sometimes. Uh, as much as I hate it, sometimes you do have to punt, I think. Uh, so we'll have to see how, how that works out with them. It's a tough question. I guess maybe Denver, they get Russell Wilson. They've had the defense, but they, ha- they have a new coach. Does it all come together for them? So those would be the two, I, I, I think. I, I do think on paper the Chiefs might be the weakest team. But I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Patrick Mahomes won't get a team to the playoffs. Yeah, if you've been betting against Patrick Mahomes the last few years, hasn't been going great. I don't think that now is necessarily the time to start as well, so I'm right there with you there. But when it comes to the AFC North, you've also got three teams that are jumbled up towards the top of this division as well. Ravens, Bengals, and Browns, all in between plus 160 and plus 275 to be able to win the AFC North at DraftKings. Is there a team in particular that you wind up liking in this division? Because I think that this is going to be one of the most competitive divisions in football as it seems to be year in and year out. I think there's a little value on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. You know, nobody's talking about them. I I just had, I was on the Bengals last year. I was one of the few people who I bet them to make the playoffs. I bet Burrow to win MVP. I'm a huge, huge Burrow fan ever since he was at Ohio State. So maybe I was on his great, uh, how good he was going to be this soon. Uh, just a touch sooner than some. But the, the reason I bet the Bengals last year wasn't even Burrow. I think their defensive line was the most underrated unit in football coming into the season. And I think that showed throughout the year, especially in the playoffs. And I look at this team and I say, you know, I didn't think they were going to go to the Super Bowl last year. I thought maybe they would fight for a wild card and then be in position this year. 
So they were a year early on everything, in my opinion. They still have the weapons. I think their defense is underrated. And I know it was tough to make the Super Bowl two years in a row. But if just on pure numbers, on pure value, I think there's some there on the Bengals north of 20 to 1. And I, I, I like to do this in the, in the preseason, Greg. I like to find a team that's got talent that nobody like, nobody mentioned. I haven't heard one person tell me they think the Bengals are going to return to the Super Bowl. So I would look at them for a little bit of value in the AFC North. And to your point, Trey Hendrickson, one of the most silent 14-sack seasons I've seen in quite a long time. He was able to do a solid job. Not as solid as you, though, Tom. It was great to have you aboard. Get your insights for the upcoming football season. Well, thanks a lot for having me. Tom does amazing work over there at the Action Network. Delivered the goods here tonight on The Look At And coming up next, we go from the gridiron to the diamond as we take a look at a little bit of baseball from Monday next right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. Today. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free to play pools in the season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DriveKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run of victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 years or older only. Please see terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions as they do apply. And you're able to go to DraftKings.com for those details. And as always, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. And a big thanks to Tom Casale. He does a great job over there at the Action Network taking a look at both the NFL and college football landscape lended some good futures plays in terms of both of those markets. So it was great to get him aboard. And in 15 minutes, the man that winds up posting the New York City cast, that'd be Will Hill. He is going to be joining me. We're going to take a look at the Mets. We're going to take a look at the Yankees. We're going to be taking a look at what we're going to be getting in general in terms of the trade deadline. And if time allows, if either of the two football teams from the state of New York, well, they actually play out there in New Jersey, but The two teams that have the name New York in their name, if either of them have a shot of being able to have a relatively solid season. So we're going to be diving into that. In the meantime, we've taken a look at a lot of National League games that are going to be coming up on this MLB Monday. How about if we take a look at a few American League games? And how about if we take a look at a team that, shall we say, is struggling right now as we go 9-15, 9-16 on the board? It is the Boston Red Sox. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Houston Astros as Luis Garcia. It's going to be going for the Astros. And Nathan Eovaldi is on the bump for Boston. Right now, you're finding this total at eight. And with Houston, they are a relatively sizable favorite. Anywhere between minus 176 and minus 190. And if you're taking a look at Boston, you're going to be getting anywhere between about a plus 155 to a plus 175. I'm taking a look at a run line right now where I sit at Circa has a plus 120 run line. You're able to find that at DraftKings as well. And I'd be willing to take a plus 120 on the Astros. Now, the Astros' run line performance has been far from great thus far this season because they have been a team that very much has been playing lower-scoring games. You take a look at the way that they have been able to hit their unders this season. It has been absolutely immaculate. They and the Detroit Tigers, by far, teams number one and two in terms of being able to hit unders this season. Detroit played about 60% of their games to the under. Houston, they are number one in the league with 62% of their games going under the total down. The Astros lineup 
it has seen a little bit of a fall off in production. Jordan Alvarez has really been able to take the spotlight away from some of these, shall we say, struggling bats because you do have someone like an Alex Bregman. He, Elamendiz, Diaz, you're able to throw in there. Yoli Gurriel, these guys are in between about a 235 to 245, but Alvarez has been able to deflect from that because sitting above a 300, he's been able to give the team 30 home runs. He has been absolutely amazing. And then you got Jose Altuve along Kyle Tucker being able to belt out 19 home runs apiece. And despite the fact that the offense has not necessarily been where you typically would expect it to be for the Houston Astros, they have been able to do a nice job of not striking out. They're still in the top six in the big leagues with that regard. And for Nathan Ivaldi, the big thing for him, the deep ball. He has given up right around two home runs per nine innings. Now, what is interesting about Nathan Ivaldi has been the fact that he has been so much better when he has been on the road versus at home. Last year was the complete opposite with Mr. Ivaldi. Last year, he was posting up an ERA that was right around one and a half points lower when he was at home rather than when he was on the road. But he's had a little bit of Murphy's Law take hold because there have been just two completely terrible starts that he wants to toss out. He wound up having that game against, ironically enough, the Houston Astros, where I believe he wound up giving up five home runs in an inning, which that's really hard for any pitcher to wind up doing. And then he wound up being a part of that 28-5 game against the Toronto Blue Jays, in which in that contest, he wound up seeing the Grand Slam inside the park and everything like that. He didn't give up that inside the park Grand Slam that... Should have probably been a cut ball by Jaron Duran if he would have actually ran after it. Who knows? I think that there's a good chance that he winds up catching it, but we shall never know because it said he wound up walking to the ball. Just absolutely tremendous fielding right there, but that said, he was the victim of both of those, but for Avaldi, I mean, if you toss out those two starts, he still has been not necessarily doing such a great job. 4.43 ERA, but like I mentioned, on the road, it has been significantly better from his home runs per nine rate. Winds up going down by Right around 0.75 home runs. And ever since he's come off the injured list, it has been a little bit of a reversal of fortune for him as well as he is an 11.08 ERA in the month of July ever since he wound up coming back. So not in great form. And for the Boston Red Sox, they aren't in great form either when it comes to their bullpen. As you take a look at things ever since, we are going to call it June 17th. So right around the last six plus weeks, the Boston Red Sox, they have a 5.45 bullpen ERA. That is by far the worst in baseball in this time span. As you've seen guys like Eric Hazusawamura, Austin Davis, Jake Diekman, guys that were relatively solid towards the beginning of the season, just go straight down the toilet bowl. Every single one of them. Caleb Ort is right now their long guy, and Caleb Ort right now is north of a 10 ERA. Not good, and they want to be using up Garrett Woodlock in their win against the Milwaukee Brewers, and he's right now become their most trustworthy bullpen piece, along John Schreiber. Schreiber still giving you a sub 225 ERA, but take a look at the Houston Astros. Seth Martinez, you're able to throw in there Ryan Sanic along with along with Rafael Montero. All these guys, they've been able to post up a sub 2-3 ERA. They did wind up using up Ryan Presley in their game yesterday, but Ryan Presley, he's been able to do a solid job all season long for the team as well. And then you're able to take a look past that. Someone like Brian Abreu, he's been able to do a relatively solid job as well. So you've got an Astros bullpen that is very trustworthy. Now for Luis Garcia, he's given up right around 1.5, 1.6 home runs per nine innings. And last year, he wound up having a home ERA that was right around 1.8 points lower than his road ERA. This year, it's been the complete opposite. He's got north of a 4.8 ERA at home on the road. It's been nearly half of that. So it's been a little bit befuddling to take a look at this. 
has been a little bit unlucky giving up the deep ball at home as three-fourths of the home runs that he's given up. They have been at home. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression because right now for the Boston Red Sox, there are two guys with more than 10 home runs this season. That would be Trevor Story along with Rafael Levers. They're currently out of the full. Bobby Dahlbeck is the only guy that has at least 10 home runs for the team. And work out what it is. Bobby Dahlbeck, despite the fact that he's got 10 home runs, it's not been a great year for him. Now, you've got J.D. Martinez, Christian Vasquez, both of these guys, and at least a 280 Rob Rev Snyder. You're able to throw in their Sander Bogarts. Both of these guys have been able to do a rock-solid job. Both of these guys hitting above a 300. But then, you just take a look down the line. Whenever Jeter Downs has wound up getting innings, it has not been necessarily too terrific for this team. And then I mentioned it with Bobby Dahlbeck. He's hitting right around the middle's line of a 200. And for that matter, all these guys are hitting right around a 225 or lower. Dahlbeck along with Jeter Downs, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, during their Franchi Cordero, Jackie Bradley Jr., Kevin Ploiecki, Yomer Sanchez. It has not been good for this Boston Red Sox lineup. They are badly missing their main piece in Rafael Devers. And when it comes to the total, I did want to saying a little bit north of eight just because I do think that there's a chance that the Boston Red Sox could wind up going deep against a guy in Luis Garcia who certainly has been giving up the deep ball. And with the Boston Red Sox, at this point, I can't think that they're going to be buyers at the deadline because they've just went so far down. They're dealing with quite a few injuries in terms of what has been a really dynamic lineup for the team all season long, but not being able to generate the deep ball with how far they have fallen back. I don't think that they necessarily have the world's greatest shot of being able to make the playoffs as they currently sit at a 51 and 52 mark. So this is going to be one of these spots in which I'm going to be taking a look at and over a rare over in an Astros game. And with the Astros, I do think that they're going to be able to win this game by multiple runs because I do think that they, much like much of the rest of the league, are going to be able to belt some balls off of Nathan Eovaldi. So looking at the run line and taking a look at the over end. Really interesting when you do take a look at the American League in terms of the futures market as well. Because right now at this point, I do think that it's a New York Yankees, a clear number one. The Houston Astros, a very clear number two. And I don't think that the difference between the Yankees and the Astros is necessarily that big. You take a look at the pitching in general of the Astros, and it's been tremendous. You did wind up seeing the New York Yankees wind up falling to the Kansas City Royals on Sunday. And with that Yankees team, the big thing is, the bullpen is starting to let them down because Chad Green has been out for the season for quite a while. They did wind up having Michael King wind up going down, and Clay Holmes just, there's no way he was going to be able to maintain what he wound up having going into Sunday, which is a sub buck 40 ERA. It's now up to right around a 175, and I do think that it's going to be getting heightened as we wind up going along. Right now, if you're taking a look at it, Astros are a plus 195 in the futures market to be able to win the American League. The Yankees, they're right around a plus 175, and then everyone else, a plus 550 or greater. And really, the only team that is anywhere between, I would say, 2-1 to one to a 14-1, to one, that'd be the Toronto Blue Jays, unless if the Blue Jays wind up picking up arms because Jose Barrios, Yusei Kikuchi, these are guys that you just can't trust in in a five- or seven-game series against a team like the Yankees, against a team like the Astros. It's really going to be interesting, though. I will say, if the Seattle Mariners are able to get Julio Rodriguez healthy, then being able to pick up Luis Castillo 16-1, not the worst value in the world. I just still don't think that you're necessarily getting enough there to really warrant a play. And then with the Tampa Bay Rays, they always do a good job of being able to mix and match as well. But I think that at this point, it's Yankees, it's Astros, or you wind up having yourself a big giant calamity. I think that's going to be really difficult for either of these teams to wind up 
falling from grace. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more because we go out to the great state of New York next. Will Hill, he does an absolutely incredible job with our New York City cast. On top of that, if you are a subscriber to VSIN and check out Point Spread Weekly, we have a catch up every week in there. He's going to be joining me next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving for every single game? The betting splits page it is updated every 10 minutes. That way you're able to see the changes in the action and find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money just doesn't match up with the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. And betting splits, it is another way that VSIN is here. You're around to make you a smarter better. Check out today's betting splits on every single game at VSIN.com as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by Will Hill. Does an incredible job with our New York City cast. And for those of you guys that subscribe to Point Spread Weekly, you're always able to catch them in there. And at not the Will Hill is where you're able to follow him on Twitter. And Will, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Oops, by the time I get done with this call, it will be 12 o'clock on the East Coast. It will be August 1st. That means preseason football, Hall of Fame game, college football. So uh, just thinking about it, talking about it gets me excited. Absolutely. Football is here before you know it. I hate the fact that they call it week zero in college football. I've never understood that personally. Call it opening week, what have you. Just don't call it week zero, but... With that said, it is football regardless, and I'll take it whether they want to call it week zero or just the clown show in general. I don't care what they call it. As long as they give us football, I am going to be happy with it. And something else I'm happy about, we are going to be seeing a lot of moves at the trade deadline over the next few days. And we were talking about this a little bit off air, but it feels like it's very murky in terms of a lot of these teams. They're just sort of on that cut line as to whether or not they want to go for it in terms of postseason berth, like the Baltimore Orioles, Boston Red Sox, a team that we wanted seeing on Sunday Night Baseball, the San Francisco Giants. I think that there's going to be a lot of intrigue in the next few days that's going to cause a lot of ruffles in the betting market. And I do think that those teams hovering right around 500, they have the most intrigue right now. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned a few of them, the Orioles, the Red Sox. Uh, you throw the Marlins in there who have a bunch of pitchers, a bunch of pieces people would like. Uh, you can look at it like a lot of things in life. You can look at it two ways and say, hey, if we're the Giants, are we really winning a World Series this year? If we're the Baltimore Orioles, 
we've had this long rebuild. We're finally going to position. Are we going to give away assets to try to win now? We're not a win now team. And then other people, other teams can say, you know what? The Atlanta Braves this time last year were a couple games under 500. And people thought they might sell. They went the other way. They trade for a whole new outfield. They get uh, Peterson and Soler and Duvall, Rosario, and go on to win a World Series, win a division. So it, it's interesting. Now we got the extra wild card team, you know, three wild cards in each league. Uh, it's fascinating. I don't know if you want to get get to them team by team here. I kind of tip my hand with what I think about the Orioles. As fun of a story as it is, I'm rooting for them to get in the playoffs. I just don't know that I would undo my rebuild by giving up young players and, you know, going for right now. Their window is two or three years from now. Maybe two years from now, they can be really good. Even next year, hey, we're, we're in the mix here. Grayson Rodriguez, the great prospect. They got a bunch of really good prospects. Maybe you trade Mancini, get a prospect back. Maybe you just keep building up that young core because if I'm the Orioles, I don't know that I'm seriously you know, in a, a title window here. Can I play in an ALCS? I know it would mean something to the fans to make the playoffs. But that, I'm not sure of. Boston, I think the same thing. I don't think Boston, with their pitching, I just think they're a disaster right now. I would be looking to get something for Eovaldi, J.D. Martinez. Bogarts would get you a lot. I know you have to deal with the you know the comp pick if you hold on to these guys and they, you lose them in free agency, so teams have to compete with that. But if I'm Boston, you, you watch them play this weekend, the last couple of weeks, really. I think they're 6-17 and 17 the last 23 games. To me, they don't have anywhere near enough pitching to compete. Sales out. Uh, I would be selling if I was uh, Boston. The team that's interesting is the Giants because uh, you know, we saw Rodon tonight just absolutely dominant. You know they were, you know had a magical season last year, 107 wins. To me, they're the team sort of on the fringe here. Could they get that last wild card spot? Do they sell? Do they buy? Saw them a few years ago. Remember 2019, Bumgarner was a free agent to be Will Smith. They had a bunch of guys. Then they got hot right before the deadline. They kept everyone, and then they fell apart. So. Uh, should be fun. I think Baltimore is right on the mix. I'm not sure what they're going to do. That's at least what I would do is sell. I think Boston will sell. The Giants, who knows? Then you got teams like the Marlins, who, like I said, Pablo Lopez, some of these pitchers, a lot of you know spare parts here, even though it's not a great team. They've fallen below 500, but Jorge Soler, we saw him win a World Series MVP last year. He could help a team. So uh, should be fascinating. It's a fun couple of days. As a baseball fan, it's always a lot of fun to you know see the deadline, all these moves been quiet we haven't heard anything on soto that maybe that's the domino teams are waiting for but i'm sure we'll get a flurry of moves here the next couple of days i'd be a little bit surprised if juan soto winds up moving because any team that winds up trading for him not only do you have to give up a king's ransom and rightfully so for him you also have to income to a north of a 400 million dollar deal or else well you want to giving up a king's ransom for not a lot of playing time, which that would not be worth it at all. But I think that is plus in season. Plus in season, that's a hard deal to do. Hey, you want two two major league players? You want our three or four best prospects? That's a deal you do in December, I would think, when you have a chance to really, you know, talk about it twenty four seven. Get the whole league involved. This time of year, you're only dealing with the contenders. You would think. I agree with you. I think it's it'd be funny if somebody posted a line on yes, no, will he be traded? I would make no a pretty big favorite here. Could be wrong. It's just a guess but I don't think he's going to be traded. Yep, I totally agree with you there. And one of the teams that you pointed out, I think it's the most intriguing case with the Baltimore Orioles because if I were the Orioles, I couldn't look my team in the face and trade away a guy like Trey Mancini with what they've been able to do here in the month of July with what they've been able to do. But at the same time, to your point as well, I couldn't wind up being a buyer as well. Typically, when you wind up seeing these teams at the deadline, you have to be all in whether or not you buy or you sell. If I'm the Orioles... I personally would just wind up sending Pat. You've got a tremendous bullpen, and 
if they wind up playing the Orioles do the same way that they did in July, they've got enough right now to be able to make the postseason, not be able to knock off the Astros and the Yankees, who I think I think we would both agree are clearly the best two teams out there in the American League. But that's personally what I would do because in that AL East, nobody's going to be able to catch the Yankees, even if the Toronto Blue Jays were to acquire like every single arm humanly possible. Yeah, and it's definitely it's a delicate balance now, especially with all these sports. You know, the NBA adds the play-in. Baseball, to me, this best two out of three, this new first round is sort of like a play-in. Like, what does a play-in mean to you? I know if you're like the Sacramento Kings in the NBA, it means a lot. But some of these other teams, you know, you got to have the bigger picture in mind. You want to win a World Series at some point. But look, it's baseball. It's a best two out of three. And if you win that, it's a best three out of five. Uh, could you talk yourself into the fact that, hey, once we get in, anything can happen? It's a uh, it's a delicate line to to walk there. Yep, I agree with you there. And I think that the biggest thing with these teams as well is that it just feels like the Yankees and the Astros are the top two teams out there in the American League and then in the National League. If you're the Giants, I could not wind up seeing buying at all because it's the LA Dodgers who are by far the best team out there in the National League. It feels like everyone else is just trying to be able to build themselves up to be able to win a five or a seven game series. And if there is a team outside of those big three that you see being able to make a run, who would that be? Because at this point, I don't know if they'd be able to get in or not, but I still think with what we wind up seeing from them last season and the way that they always just wind up seeing seemingly make the right moves at this time, it could wind up being the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I just, I don't know that they have enough pitching. Uh, to me, the World Series champion is going to come out of these five teams. You could talk me into Seattle as a six with Castillo to go with now Robbie Ray and Gilbert. But to me, it's one of, you know, in, in no particular order, Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, Mets, Braves. To me, the Braves still have the championship pedigree. They have, you know, Morton, Freed uh, in a playoff series. And Strider, obviously, who's tremendous. But if anyone's going to knock off the Dodgers, and I think the Mets are in great shape here to win this division, to me, it's the Mets. The Mets, if you're going to have DeGrom healthy, Diaz is just automatic. What he's doing in the ninth inning of these games is incredible. Nobody can put the ball in play off them. Uh, DeGrom, Scherzer, to Diaz, you got enough offense there. It's not a great offense, but it's a decent offense. They put the bat on the ball. To me, I think I might even favor the Mets over the Dodgers in a playoff series. I know the Dodgers have the incredible lineup. They'll they'll make a move. They always do. Uh, if the Mets can get their bullpen straightened out, if they can get the bridge to Diaz figured out, when you can go DeGrom, Scherzer, four or five games out of seven in a best of seven, that is very difficult to beat. And with Jacob DeGrom, it appears as though he's going to be making his season debut against the Nationals. If I do have one pause, he did not look so good in his rehab appearance a few days ago. But with that said, you best know that Jacob DeGrom is going to be up for this one. He was apparently throwing 100 miles per hour during his rehab. So that is going to be very beneficial for them. And then when it comes to what we're going to be getting on Monday in terms of that Nationals versus Mets game, it is going to be Max Scherzer, who's going to be taking the mound against his former team. I'm not going to ask you for a money line play because the Mets are at minus 250. If you wind up going the other way, I will be greatly surprised. But total is anywhere between seven and a half or eight. Any sort of a feel in terms of that? Yeah, I don't lay the run and a half very often, but I'm not afraid to lay the run and a half. I don't blame you. Total pitching mismatch. Scherzer against Corbin. This isn't even a fair fight. Corbin's been a disaster this year, the past few years. Scherzer's been outstanding since he came off the IL. To me, this is a total mismatch. And let's face it. I mean, this is, these are three layups for the Mets here. You got Scherzer going against Corbin, then you got DeGrom going Tuesday, and then I haven't seen the pitching matchup for Wednesday, but uh, the Mets should get minimum two out of three. 
Not impossible they get a sweep. I think it's a toss-up two out of three or a sweep here. This is a good matchup here for the Mets. I agree with you there. And always a good match is getting you on this show, Will. Always appreciate it. Thank you. Oops, appreciate it. VEASAN.com slash podcast. Check out the podcast. Yes, sir. The New York City cast is a tremendous one that Will Hill does. And you got tremendous card for Monday in the MLB. And I'll be breaking it down next right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. Preseason football kicks off next month. And the v- At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.